Bless you, Dave. Amen. Thanks, Robbie. Afternoon, everyone. Um, it's, good to, it's good to be together again. I'm going to just try and rattle through uh, this as quickly as we can at the start of today. Let me just start my timer as well, because I know I can blather on too, so I just want to make sure I don't go over time. Um, yeah, but o- over the summer, I hope that you've been blessed through what we've been doing each of the weeks in terms of our theme of Meet the Family. And you know the essence of this, that we've been seeking to really unpack some of the stories. We've just sang about it this morning. One day when we, when we journey through the resurrection, we will stand side by side with some of these heroes of faith. Um, but right now we get to learn and glean from their stories, people from the biblical narrative. And, and yet it's been beautiful, hasn't it, that alongside that we've been able to hear from people in our own church family. People who actually embody and live out so many of these practices and these rhythms in their lives. And that's really been, I hope that you find that every bit as much as while it's nice to get to know people. I hope you've been really gleaning from the essence of it. This is iron sharpening iron type, type things, you know. And so this is what we really pray and hope that you get out of today. Um, yeah, we today are one of my heroes from the Bible, not just because it's my name, but King David. I love reading the stories of King David. Obviously, Primarily, we love to read the Gospels and to read about Jesus, and we want to follow him. But in terms of just other heroes of the faith, I love learning from the rhythm of David. And, and yet, even as Robbie's been leading us this morning, you know, we need to, while we pray for the persecuted church, you know, some of these modern-day heroes of faith, it's what, is, what do we actually learn from them in terms of their devotion to Jesus? And when I look at the life of David, I suppose in essence, this is where we want to go today. There's different things we're going to look at in terms of his life as a worshiper, because he really loved the Lord. But in in two main ways, I really want to focus this. And so this is the learning point. I'm going to give you the learning point, the main thing I want you to take away at the start. So please don't switch off whenever I do this at the very beginning. But the essence of where we're going today is that David, what we see in his life is that he lived a life of intimacy and dependence on the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit two things that he lived a life of intimacy and dependence in the father secondly in the power of the holy spirit we're going to see this from his life and actually this is the essence of what we need to be about as the church and we're going to be reflecting and that that these are some of the things that actually really sense that the spirit wants to to call us to as we lean forward from this place as well and so uh, when we look at the life of david and there's lots and lots of stories, right? You could talk about David. We could talk about him killing giants and lots of military victories and different things. But where I wanted to just go with this was the essence of the last time I spoke at the beginning of the series with the life of Abraham. We're going to look at the beginning point of what we see in the biblical narrative as well. So if you have Bibles with you, we're going to be 1 Samuel chapter 16. It will be on the screen as well. But if you want to follow along with us, uh, we'll do this. Um, just to set the context... Uh, 1 Samuel 16 is where we're introduced to the character of David. Previous to this, Israel have um, been introduced to their first king. Saul was the king that was made the first king of Israel. What we actually see is that Saul didn't stay in step with God. He didn't stay obedient. There's my wife. I thought Laura was about to leave. That's hard enough. Um, uh, Saul, Saul didn't stay in, in step and obedience with the things of God. And what we actually see in the chapter prior to this, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, the prophet Samuel turns up to Saul and actually tells him that the kingdom was to be taken from him. That because of his disobedience, it was going to be removed and taken from him and it was going to be given to another. And so at the beginning of 1 Samuel chapter 16, we're told about how God speaks to the prophet Samuel and tells him to go to the house of Jesse in Bethlehem, and there he was to anoint 
the next king of Israel. But Jesse rightly is freaking out because he's thinking, well, if I go to Bethlehem and try to anoint the next king, the current king's not going to be happy about that. I might try to kill me. And so Samuel decides he's going to sacrifice unto the Lord in the village of Bethlehem. And he's going to make sure that Jesse's household is there. And so he invites him to come. And many of you will know the story of this as as Jesse's sons come and they stand in front of the prophet Samuel one after another, beginning with the eldest down to what apparently there was the youngest, each and every one of them, God says, no, Samuel, it's not them. And there's a key verse in there. I don't have it on the screens, but this is where we get introduced to it. And God's really clear with Samuel. And this is something for us to even reflect on today. He says, um, he says man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but I am looking at the heart. And as he looked at each of these men, as he looked into the depths of their being before them, he was like, this isn't the one, this isn't the one. And so in verse 11, this is where we pick up today. So 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 11, this is where we pick up where Samuel then asks Jesse this question. So he asked Jesse, are these all your sons you have? He's pretty certain as a prophet that God's told him that one of his sons is going to be anointed. And then Jesse just responds almost with this disregard and this throwaway line. He says, well, they're still the youngest. Jesse said, but, but he's out in the field and he's looking after the sheep. And, and at this point, what we, what we see, we almost get a bit of a, a, a sense or a snapshot into what was going on in David's family life. David was almost, in a sense, in the family home was considered as a nobody. It was probably more to do with the culture at that stage with being the youngest as well. But David was almost forgotten. He was overlooked. He was left at the side. And you can pick this up again, actually, in the next chapter, which we're not going to be focusing on, but just one verse from it. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, actually, so Jesse sends David to his brothers who are enlisted because of their age into the army of Israel, sends him to go and check on them because they're facing a giant called Goliath and they're very afraid of them. And David turns up to bring them supplies of food and to check on how they're doing and to bring back news to the father Jesse. And when he's there, David starts to see children of Israel, like the people of God, quivering with fear because of what the enemy is speaking. And David filled with the spirit, which we're going to see in a little second, David at this point starts to speak and declare truth. And so he starts to say to the men of Israel, who is this Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? He starts to speak hope. But in this moment, David's brother isn't just willing to receive it in this way because there's a root of bitterness within his brother's life and jealousy. And so we read these words in 1 Samuel 17, when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you have, or with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? It's like in front of all the men, he's trying to belittle David and put him down. It's like, where did, what about those wee sheep you're meant to be looking after, David? Why have you left them and who's looking after them now? He says, I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart, man, he really didn't. If you came down here only to watch the battle, David says, now what have I done? Said David, can't I even speak? Before we just look at a couple of things, particularly just around worship this morning and the life of David, I just really felt just in a sense of a word for many of us in the church this morning that perhaps it almost feels for you where you're at at the moment. Um, and maybe your journey to this point, you've always felt this, that you've always maybe, maybe you've been on the side. Maybe some of the gifts that you've been carrying, what you sense God's deposited in there, you almost feel that you've been forgotten, that you feel you've been overlooked. Perhaps even for some of the things and, and where you're at in your life as well, you almost feel in the background with it. 
you know, one of the things that's really important is how we is how we respond in those moments. And the beautiful thing that we see in the life of David is that even though his, like his family and all weren't even really getting him, and uh, he's, he's just almost been rejected and just relegated to being out in the field, the thing that I love about David is that David didn't feel the sense that he needed to compete. <laughs> he felt that he didn't really need to get to a place where he needed to strategize or manipulate about how he could push himself to the front. David was prepared to wait on God's timing. And the thing that I, I love from this, actually, and this is the responsibility, so to us as parents and grandparents and, and people who are influencers of children and family, you know, one of the things that I see actually in the character of David was how influential that was even for his son Solomon. Solomon who got this and caught this from his own dad. And Solomon who would write these words in Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. It's just like, don't even act out of the fleshly part of what almost seems the right thing to do. He probably was catching loads of this from his father, David. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. The responsibility that we have, David, the thing about David at this time was that David decided that he was going to allow and the position and posture his heart in such a way that allowed him to, uh, to grow with a focus and fall in love with what would sustain him for a lifetime. David just wasn't just thinking about what he could get for the now moment. David was pressing into something significant that would position and sustain him for a lifetime. And David was giving himself to a dependency. And what we see here again, an intimacy and a dependency upon the Father. The moments in the field weren't wasted for David. The moments in the field were moments for him to be able to just talk with his Father and to learn from his father. And actually what we say, I was, I was messaging Phil about this yesterday because I actually do believe that Psalm chapter one, and thankfully Phil said it as well, so it must be right. Psalm, Psalm, Psalm chapter one, when many people say that they don't know for, for sure who the author is, I actually feel that these are the words of David. I know that the, the, uh, the Talmud, which is or some of the Jewish records attributed to him as well, but these are the words that we read in Psalm chapter one out of this heart of this man of God. And this is what it says. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and is like a tree or in, in season and whose leaf does not wither. Something significant David recognized about the now season moment. Whatever they do prospers, but not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. And even in Psalm chapter 19, we read again, just even the heart of this, where David would say these words, may these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord my rock and your salvation. David's heart was fully given and meditating. And listen, there were many voices that were around David at this time. We read about the negativity and the voices and the words were being spoken over him by family and friends. And perhaps maybe that's what you sense even in your own life. But you know what? There were other voices as well that almost seemed to just be like, it seemed to be, like, be the, the wise thing to do. Like we read that he's been anointed as king. Saul's really jealous. And later on in 1 Samuel, we read about where moments where Saul's trying to kill David. David has moments where Saul's fallen asleep and his men are saying, now's your opportunity, go and kill him. But 
David wasn't even prepared to just listen to the voice of others. David had developed a practice and a habit that first and foremost, he would only ever listen to the Father. That's all he wanted to be about. Even when it seemed right and it seemed wise, if he hadn't heard from the Father, he wasn't moving. He wasn't going. And ultimately, and this is the significant thing, ultimately for all that's about to transpire and happen in David's life, ultimately this, that heart, and that attitude is what brought David to the table. It wasn't about his skill or his ability or his talent. It was his heart before the Father. That was the welcome and the invitation. And this is what the Father had seen. And so in this moment then, as the story goes on in 1 Samuel chapter 16, Samuel now goes to anoint this new future king. And so we read these words. So Samuel took the horn of oil. So they brought the little boy David in from the field. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, this is the crucial part, from that day on, as he's anointed, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. This young boy whose heart had been given just purely to intimacy and to devotion to the Father, suddenly at this moment, as he's anointed with oil, suddenly at this moment, the spirit of the Lord comes upon him. And this is where we start to see David again now living into both of these elements, a life of intimacy and dependence on the Father, but someone who was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. This is where suddenly David's life and the significant encounters suddenly start to happen with him. And just so by way of this, what we see, so 1 Samuel 16 is where we're reading all of these accounts. It starts off with David as a, as a nobody in the field, looking after the sheep. Suddenly he's now anointed as a future king by the prophet. The spirit of the Lord comes upon him. Still hasn't done anything to model this out in any way, but there's something about when you're, when you're carrying a significant anointing of the Holy Spirit, how it is, it is so obvious and apparent to people. And actually what we actually see is that Saul, who has a tormented spirit, he's been told you need to get someone who's really skilled to play the harp. Anybody here good at playing the harp? Um, get someone who's really good at playing the harp there in the presence of the kings. Remember, at the start of this chapter, he's a nobody. Verse 18, this is what we read. Saul's uh, servants, verse 18, in the presence of the king, in the courts of the current king, they say these words. One of the servants answered, I've seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man, but this is the crucial part. And the Lord is with him. Like, he hasn't even defeated a giant yet. He hasn't done anything that suddenly is worthy of praise, but suddenly because of his devotion and discipline in the Lord, and now that the spirit of the Lord is upon him, suddenly this is what brings David to the stage and brings it to the point of this. And do you know what? David aside, we see this in the life of Jesus, Jesus as well, don't we? For 30 years with someone in the background, Someone who was developing and fostering just a devotion to the Father and getting to know the Father. And then on his baptism, as he's baptized in the River Jordan, as the heavens open and the heavens declare, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Spirit of the Lord descends on Jesus. And suddenly this is the moment that his ministry begins. Someone who is, has an intimacy and a devotion to the Father and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Guys, this is what I feel the Spirit is just simply saying today. As we talk, and we can talk many times around what it is to have a return to church. These are the things that suddenly is first and forefront and foremost for us. This is what we need to be a people that commit ourselves to. Our devotion to the Father. 
and our, and our dependency upon him, but our intimacy and our, how we're being led and then filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what it means to be the church of Jesus Christ. And while there's lots of things which we can focus on, we're so excited to announce some things about how we can just increase more of some of our family rhythms and getting back to normality of some of those things. This needs to be the position that which we lead forward from this point, how we step into an, in, for all of us individually, step into an increasing life of intimacy and dependence on the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit. And listen, the Father is jealous for it. The Father is jealous for you. The Father is jealous for your time. And listen, whether you feel that you've been overlooked or forgotten, this is ultimately what the Father desires to see. Maybe you're in a place where you feel just as distant. This is what the Father wants you to return to. Not to just to get back to church on a Sunday. He just longs to spend time with you and the intimacy of those, those moments. And what we're going to do, um, Marty's going to come now and just, Marty, why don't you come and get ready just as I wrap up just the point. Uh, and we'll just interview and lead off the back of this because... Just with Marty sitting beside me, I actually thought today when I walked in, I thought maybe there's something quite significant in this. Oh, I just turned you off. There you go. That's you on again. Um, it, today, as we finish, I just want to talk about the call upon all of us, just upon the life of worship. And yet, as I walked in today, uh, obviously, we're interviewing Marty and Johnny, who's been leading worship, two people who have just been figureheads of worship in our church for seasons and I feel that it's no coincidence Paul it's great seeing you again this morning with us figureheads of worship in our church over the years and I feel that one of the things that God wants to renew and restore is a genuine heart of worship from his people and yet and so in two ways just I really wanted to say this that ultimately this a life of intimacy and dependence on the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit I want to speak to those who are part of our worship teams at the moment this is what set David apart as a worshiper. And if purely the thing that brings us to the stage is just our ability and our talent in music, we miss the point of what worship's about. It's really good to be interested in music. I love music. I've loved music for years. That's why I was never really sporty. We were a real musical family. I loved that. But the thing that really sets us apart as worshipers has to be this, the first and foremost. It's not about our skill in music but it's about our life of intimacy and dependence on the Father and how we are led in the power of the Holy Spirit for us to step into depths and encounter and worship. This is where we need to get to. And so worship teams, this is the call upon us for those who are part of our worship teams here in church. And then for all of us, right? So all of us here, here is a worshiping community, aren't we? And so for all of us at this moment, this is where we see, because David had some great moments of encounter with worship. We see that actually... We know the moment, it's in 2 Samuel, let me see, it's in 2 Samuel chapter 6, I didn't know that off the top of my head, 2 Samuel chapter 6, the moment where the ark of the Lord is being brought back from the home of Obed-Edom, back, back to Jerusalem, and David goes before it, dancing with joy before the ark of the Lord as the presence of the Lord returns to Jerusalem, and he dances, he's like pretty much in a pair of pants, he's down to linen cloth, and he's dancing before the people because he's so filled with joy. So he's not pants, but you know what I mean. It's like a linen cloth around him. And he's so filled with joy. And yet his wife, so here's again another voice of criticism. Another voice that tries to influence. Another voice that tries to come in. Guys, be guarded about the voices that are around you at the minute. That try to shape and direct you. That just are maybe misleading you because the voice of negativity and the voice of criticism, these are not the things that we need to listen to. And the voice that came from his wife was like, you're meant to be the king. You're acting like an absolute idiot. This is paraphrased version. Right? You're acting like an absolute fool. 
You're meant to be the king. The people are looking at you. You're meant to be leading them. And David says these words, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father. This is Saul's daughter as David's wife at this stage. He says, so it's before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler of the Lord's people, Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. David realized that actually what this was all about was it's an audience of one. Lots of other influences and voices, but he realized, and this is what we saw from the beginning as a little boy in the fields, and even at this point as a king, first and foremost, it was about him and the father. Intimacy and dependence on him, worship to him. Yes, he's filled with the spirit. And this is why Jesus would say these words in John chapter four. Yes, yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. They are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And as we return to what, whatever we sense normality is, because it was what I feel the Spirit would say, it's a return into what is front and center and is most important in our lives as believers, that we live in this, a life of intimacy and dependence on the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit. But yet I'm really glad that Marty, this is Marty Timlin, uh, a really uh, great friend of mine, um, someone who's been around church for years. Um, and, and yet while we say words like this, it can sound like pie in the sky, really lofty words to say. And I'm really glad that we have people like you, Marty, around just that actually we can just learn and glean from your example of this as well. So um, many of you might know Marty, many of you might not. And so Marty, what I'd love you to do is just even just share a little bit about just by way of introduction of your story and even how you came to faith in Jesus, would you? Hello. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I grew up in Craigavon and I was the youngest of four kids at three older sisters. Um, grew up, uh, brought up in a Catholic family, went to mass every week until about the age of 16, um, where uh, me and a few mates um, went over to Mass, but didn't actually go in. We're standing outside the, sh the shops having a smoke, <laughs> which was what you did. But um, the caretaker one day went in and told my mum <laughs> <laughs> that I was out. I wasn't going and I was standing smoking. So we had, we had the talk and said, listen, son, if you don't want to go, don't be going. Don't make a show of me there standing smoking. So that, that kind of was the end of, of that. Um, period. I was say around 16, was already drinking, taking drugs and I continued that lifestyle for probably another close to 10 years. Um, through that um, drug and alcohol abuse it led me to uh, make some poor life decisions to the point, there's loads of stories, but to the point where I ended up in um, living in a flat in Mount Rafferty alone and one particularly bad night, um, I needed to be sick and I was in bed and I crawled on my hands and knees to my bathroom and just about made it to the toilet, but I didn't make it back to bed, I just crawled on my hands and knees and I just collapsed in the, in the hallway. Um, I woke up a couple of hours later and crawled back into the bathroom and pulled myself up in the sink and looked in the mirror and had a bit of a fright, what a scene looking back at me. Um, kind of didn't recognize myself and I just thought, wow, I, 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 
big heavy dreadlocks at the time that vomit all over them and it just it was an absolute mess and um, I just thought then I needed to do something about it so um, I called around to my mum's the next day and asked did um, she still have my old Gideon Bible that I got at school which she did and I took it and just started reading the Bible and read it every day and for six months to maybe a year um, started reading the Gospels and fell in love with, with Jesus. Mm. Um, wasn't going to church, wasn't doing any of that. I just, I just had a hunger for the Word and, and started reading. And yeah, um, just as I, as I learned about the character of Jesus, what intrigued me at the time was that he was a rebel with a cause, where I was a rebel without a cause. Mm. And yeah, I just fell in love, in love with the character of Jesus. Um, went straight for Revelation as well, straight for the Jews. Um, there was a, a verse in chapter 3 um, where it talked about the lukewarm, neither being hot nor cold. And I knew at that, that stage, I was under conviction, but I was still living the lifestyle, I was still drinking and getting stoned nearly every day. Um, so I knew it was kind of lukewarm at the time, and I knew I had to do something about that. So around that time, I took a trip to Israel with um, a few mates. My mate Motor, who had lived there for a while, told me about the, the Western Wall, the, the remaining wall of the old temple. Um, and said that the, the Jews would um, write a prayer on a, on a bit of paper and put it in the crack of the wall. So at that stage, I was just ready for surrender. So um, when I went there, I prayer on the on the bit of paper and it was just simply said Jesus if you're real I want to get to know you mm. and yeah that was kind of the start of my journey of faith went back a year later giving thanks um, being transformed amen. Yeah. amen amen and I, I I think just even from getting to know Marty over the years like we've been on worship team for years as well together um and probably just getting to know you, like one of the things that's always stood out for me about Marty, if I'm being honest, and like this isn't, I said this first service, this isn't a putting you in a pedestal situation either, but it is, hopefully it's an iron chart and an iron, right, where we can learn from one another. It, for me, has just stood out to you and has spoke to me and has inspired me, has been your, what you've just mentioned, your hunger for the word. Like, so David would talk about how he meditates on, on the things of the word of the Lord day and night, and I see that in you. But I suppose just like for you, like what, what have been some of the rhythms that have helped you to be able to engage with that, you know, that maybe that some people could learn from, Marty, in your life? Yeah, well, well definitely reading the Word is imperative. Um, and I, I, I had a love for the Word then, and through the years, I've, like I said earlier, for about 10 years running, I read the Bible in a year, um, which is it's a good thing to do, and I'd recommend it. Um, just found after a while it's, it's a lot of reading to do every day you're like four chapters and you're really racing through it um so just really a couple of years ago when phil spoke here and encouraged us to he talked about having a place and i never really had a place i, I kind of would have read in bed or, or just wherever and, and prayed when i was out walking but um me and my wife jules at the time said right i'm gonna get a place get a chair in the house and um, pretty much make an appointment with God and get up every morning and set the alarm for six, get up and go down and make coffee and 
bring an oat book and read and pray and get down on my knees and have a guitar in the room as well. So do a bit of, bit of singing as well. But really just um, spending time in the Word. Um, the Word in the beginning was the Word. Jesus is the Word and it's really all about the Word. But um, mm-hmm. and the power of the Spirit, obviously. So. I know even chatting with Robbie at the end of the first service, like Marty... Um, you don't go to youth, you're a bit older than youth, right? At the moment, Marty, Marty's one of our leaders would help Robbie with Vital on, on the Friday night. And I know Robbie has said that, you know, and it's so clear to say a lot of the time when Marty speaks, he, he'll be talking just about scriptures and some of the stuff, you know, that he's learned from the scriptures. And, and I think that's been so easy to see, Marty, how you've disciplined yourself, but it's just now a real delight for you. And that's what sustains you. And yet, obviously, the second point we're talking about is the power of the Holy Spirit. What's been your journey, even in the things of your spirit, of the Spirit, and and how you step into those on a daily basis? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I read a book um, by David Watson when I was living in that flat in uh, Mount Aberdeen um, about the Holy Spirit, and that gave me a real hunger. I, I knew I needed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit because reading the Word is one thing, but um, knowledge puffs up. So you can read all the books you want, but it's it's all you're going to gain is knowledge, and that's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that really makes a difference. And it, um, so f- I found out there was a thing called the seminars in the in the Spirit, which I went to. It was in Banbridge, run by a Reverend Priest called Father Andrew Mitchell, who was amazing. And he it was a, a, a usually as a seven week course, I did a crash course on the weekend, mm. and. Yeah, that just really um, the prayer of the, the baptizing the Holy Spirit and learn about the fruit of the Spirit and and the gifts of the Spirit and yeah. And how do you find that in your life on a daily basis? Yeah, um, you know the Spirit guides us and, and leads us in our in our daily walk if we if we're um, obedient and listen to Him. Um, talking about the, the gifts. For me, um, speaking in tongues is, a, is um, a really powerful thing, a game changer, really. Um, I would say that the gift of tongues is not just for some people. It's for every believer. Every believer should speak in tongues. Um, you know, I, I used to, for years, I kind of thought I was waiting on the Holy Spirit to come and take over me and this strange language to come out of me. Um, but the word says it's... Um, the apostles start speaking in tongues. They spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So it's not the Spirit that speaks in tongues, it's you. We speak in tongues. Um, the Spirit gives us utterance. So it's, it's, it's a matter of faith, really, you know, and we've all been given that measure of faith, and it's exercising that faith. Mm. And I've just found, like, speaking in tongues is just a lifesaver, you know, when you're in trouble and you don't even know what to pray, and you speak in tongues, and yeah, just... The, the peace of God that transcends our understanding. Yeah. Is and I know you've, 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 I know that from you, like you said, over the last two or three years when there's been difficulties, like sometimes not knowing what to speak or to pray, sometimes praying in tongues has been significant. Marty, just as we finish, just for time's sake, um, obviously for all of us, and this is this is an opportunity to to share with the church family, and again, I want to honor you and Johnny, just even in terms of how you led the worship teams for years, and Johnny, this isn't uh, Marty's batters or something, um, how you've both gave this, you know, over the years. But it's just like for all of us as a worshiping community, what would be some of your advice or encouragement to us as a worshiping community? 
Yeah, wor worship, worship um, I would say, even is, is a choice. We, we choose to worship. Um, took a trip back to um, 2008. I think you guys were there as well. Um, to Uganda. And I remember being in the, in the church for those guys. And the church was like four walls, brick walls, but didn't even have a ceiling. And watching the kids worship just blew me away. The kids' tears training down and um, just arms as high as I could get them and just crying out to God and with thankful hearts. And I said to God at the time, I'm never going to be inhibited about worship. I want to go to church or, or anywhere again. And uh, I said earlier as well, you know, you, you could come to church and maybe the first song comes on. It's not, a, it's not your favorite song. So you keep your hands in your pockets and don't sing along much, but um, waiting for that belter. To, but it's it, it really is a choice. You like you choose choose to worship, and you know out of a thankful heart. You know, like I, I just can't wait to get the worship starts, and you know just put my hands up before thinking about it. Because if you think about it, you might not do it. You'll be thinking, oh, it looks stupid, and all the rest of it. But um, I would say like. Over the last few years, I said earlier as well, um, me and my family have had a few really difficult years and um, worship has been a real key in it because when you're, going, when you're having a hard time that you're less likely to want to worship, you're, you know, you're not going to, you know, thank you, God, that I'm having a terrible time here. Um, that's what we should do, but it's not, it's not a natural thing to do. But that's when it becomes a choice and when you choose to worship at that point, there's transformation because the focus is no longer on ourselves and our, on our trouble, but it's on mm. the King of Kings and his goodness and his mercy. And, you know, you're thankful for who he is. Yeah, amazing. Let's give Marty a round of applause for me, will you? Just again. And this, this, this is just done at this point. I know obviously we've the picnic in the park at one. Some people, if you might need to go and get a picnic or something, at <laughs> a job somewhere perhaps. Um, but we would just love to just pray for us. Um, obviously, it's one thing to hear these, these thoughts, but we would just love to just pray that actually that this would be just part of who we are, that this is what we would be known as, as a people together, as a people that live a life of intimacy and dependence on the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit. And do you want Marty actually... Pray you this for us, will you? And we'll pray for first service. Finish us off and close us in prayer, will you? Father, thank you for your, your goodness and your, your mercy, which is new for us every morning. God, we um, thank you, Lord, that our names are written in the book of life. Thank you, Lord, that you've called us by name. You've called us to be holy, God, and uh, you're able to do this as you and makes us holy. So, Father, we just um, bow our hearts before you today. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for leading and guiding us into all truth, for yes, teaching Jesus. us all things. Yes, Father, there is none like you. You are the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And God, we just um, want to bring glory to your name this day. So we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you guys. Bless you this week. The guys in the yellow coats will um, take you out a little bit of time. Uh, but God bless you. We'll hopefully see you down at the park. All right? God bless you.